Welcome to Red Maryland Radio, the Red Maryland Network's flagship show. Here are your hosts, Brian Griffiths and Greg Klein. Hello and welcome to an all-new installment of Red Maryland Radio here on the Red Maryland Network, live from the Jim Plunkett Studios in the heart of the Business District in downtown Severna Park on the bucolic and quite warm western shore of Maryland uh, near the semi-historic Magothy River. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Greg Klein. I'm flying solo this week, um, and I kind of, I usually don't start the show with a big announcement. Um, I usually make some sometimes make some sort of joke about where Brian Griffiths was. If you listened to the air raid this week, um, and if you looked at our Facebook page, you noticed that Brian Griffiths has has been very successful joining the mini golf circuit, and apparently that's he that's what he's pursuing now. So he is taking a leave of absence from Red Maryland to uh, go follow the mini golf circuit. Uh, he won something over the weekend. I don't even know, but he did ask me to play this uh, message on the network. So kind of doing something a little different than we do, but I, I did want to play this for you. Uh, this is from Brian Griffiths, kind of a kind of a temporary farewell, so please do enjoy this. If you're a dork like me who likes mini golf, I encourage you to be part of the Greater Baltimore Mini Golf Tour. Yeah, and that's where Brian is, and we wish him, you know, all the success in the world. I mean, I, I don't even know what that would mean. Um, but uh, good luck. He'll be back sometime in the future. We're not sure when, but until then... Rest assured, sit back. I hope you enjoyed your Independence Day holiday. I hope that you enjoyed celebrating our nation's independence, whether you did that quietly at home, whether you went out to some sort of uh, remembrance, or whether you followed the words of a famous uh, Springfield resident and said, what better way to celebrate the birth of your nation than by blowing up a small part of it? And uh, whatever you did, I hope you enjoy it. Now that that's over, perhaps you're driving to or fro as part of your weekend travels, sit back and enjoy this installment of Red Maryland Radio. We've got a lot of news that we need to cover. We're going to have a little bit of fun as well. So here's what we've got on tap. I'll set it up and we'll get right into it. The big news of the week here in state and local politics has been the governor, Governor Hogan, putting his foot down fiscally. He is reasserting his authority. We'll talk a lot more about this, both with regard to the Democrats who are trying to mess with his budget and his prerogatives as governor in this state and also with metro um finally demanding some you know he he was willing to go along with some dedicated funding and we give an awful lot of money to the dc metro system and there just hasn't been a lot of accountability a lot of scandal going on and the governor has kind of put his foot down democrats losing their minds over both of these developments by the way we'll cover all of them and then uh, we'll have a weed update at the end our 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 friend Mark Uncafer has a great piece at RedMaryland.com. We'll share with you about how the uh, not only not only do Democrats now want to uh, take over the weed rackets, uh, as we've discussed many times here on Red Maryland Radio. Now the county executive in Montgomery County just wants them to directly directly run the weed business. He wants the state of Maryland to be in the business of selling drugs. Um, not just allowing it to happen, not just franchising it, not just not just, you know, being the the boss of it. But actually doing it top to bottom, an integrated, socialized uh, drug business for the state of Maryland. We'll talk about that. 
a little later on. All that tonight here on Red Maryland Radio. As you listen uh, and after you listen, we'd love to get your feedback. So I just want to give that to you here up front. You can send us an email, redmaryland at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at Red Maryland. We're on Facebook. We know you're all on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Red Maryland. Okay, let's get into it. You're recovering now from, you know, if, if you're like me and you live in a neighborhood where for, you know, two or three weeks around Independence Day, uh, there, there are shells going off every night that are reminiscent of living in a World War I trench. Uh, I hope you are enjoying that. If that's something you enjoy, I hope you're surviving it. If not, but that's the season that we're in. So, you know, just it's that time of year. So as you're enjoying it, let this be a little bit of a distraction to that. And we'll talk about some serious policy stuff and politics stuff going on here in the state of Maryland. Let's talk first about this budget issue with the governor. Um, the Democrats, as you're going to give you some background here, and I'll bring up the article from the Baltimore Sun. As you'll remember, after the budget was passed this year, um, the Democrats who, under Maryland's budgetary system, and, and for those of you who aren't familiar, let me give you a quick primer on this. In Maryland, the governor proposes the budget. Okay, The legislature cannot add to the budget. Uh, the legislature does not originate the budget. This is this is very different from what happens in Washington, D.C., for instance. So the, the legislature can only cut from the governor's budget. They cannot add to it. And as they cut from it, they can move things around a little bit, though how much leeway they have to do that is under some serious dispute. Now, having said that, over 80% of the spending in the governor's budget is mandated by statute. In other words, the legislature has mandated over about, it's about 82% of state spending. And that mandated state spending going forward is why we have a structural deficit. It's why we have many of the fiscal problems that we've had in the state, because Democrats have been uh, writing checks, essentially, that we don't have the money to cover uh, in a wide variety of areas. And this year, that issue came to the fore when Democrats wanted to cut key parts of the governor's budget, about $250 million. We're going to do the details here in a second in the article from Luke Broadwater, and wanted to reprioritize those to, to fund their own programs. So they took money. A lot of the money comes out of the state's rainy day fund, which is used to uh, shore up state spending in case there is a recession, which a lot of people are expecting to come in the near future. Um, it came out of our state's underfunded pension liability to state employees who are retired. Um, and other, other monies came out of governor's, Governor Hogan's programs for uh, community college tuition relief, for jobs programs, for um, enterprise zone expansion, something that he's working in combination with the president on, um, expanding this idea of enterprise zones and, and uh, enterprise development through tax breaks and things like that. The Democrats cut all that, put in their own priorities, which for a very small part of that are things that are seemingly very popular notions like more money for rape testing kits, which, by the way, it's not that there's no money for that. It's more money for that. Um, you know, about $2, billion, $2 million, excuse me, for the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, which is a complete S show, uh, a disaster, if you're not familiar with the, the kids' lingo these days, um, and, and a bunch of other priorities, including some things like school construction, even after the Democrats had rejected the governor's bill that would have 
heavily invested more money in school construction because they wanted to spend more money on the operating side and funding Thornton rather than dealing with the backlog of school construction. So this is this is the impasse that we had this year. The governor had walled off this money because even though the, the legislature cut things and moved them around, the governor doesn't have to spend it. At least that's the position the governor's taken. And legally, he seems to be backed in that regard. There was some effort at negotiation of this, and there may still be in the future. But the governor made an announcement this week, and this is where we get into the article from the Baltimore Sun here from Luke Broadwater. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan won't release funds for symphony, school construction, Baltimore youth jobs. And they've got this really great picture of the members of the Board of Public Works all looking very angry at one another and the world, perhaps. A uh, great picture by uh, Barbara Taylor there. Here's the article. Governor, T- Governor Larry Hogan announced Wednesday that he would not release $245 million the legislature put in the state budget for various projects, including school construction, the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, and summer jobs for Baltimore youth. Now, again, they didn't put this money in the budget. This money was already in the budget. They took it from other areas. Okay. Just keep, just keep that in mind. It's kind of important. Though the General Assembly approved the budget as required by the Maryland Constitution, Hogan argued that the state shouldn't fund the legislature's priorities because of a possible $960 million shortfall next year. So we have a a structural deficit of $960 million next year. Much of this $245 million was money that was set aside to deal with that to wit in the state's rainy day fund. So we don't have enough money to meet our obligations next year. So the governor's saying, well, don't take money out of our savings account to spend this year when we know we might have to dip into it next year. It's part of what the governor's saying here. His decision prevents the release of $127 million for school construction, raises for correctional officers, and hundreds of thousands of dollars for community colleges in Hagerstown and Prince George's County. Other funds being withheld are $2.5 million for a rapid transit project in Southern Maryland, $750,000 for a prescription drug affordability board, and $200,000 to expand Maryland's free tax preparation and filing services for poor people. We pledge to bring fiscal restraint to Annapolis, and we have, said Hogan, a Republican. He accused Democrats in the General Assembly of being reckless and playing budgetary shell games saying that the legislature should not have cut $90 million from the state's rainy day fund and $50 million from the pension fund. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. Of that $245 million, $140 million of it comes from essentially our savings accounts. One, to pay what we owe retired state employees, and, and from our rainy day fund, which again, $90 million to help cover the expected $960 million that we don't have to cover next year's mandated spending. You see where I'm going with this. So the governor's absolutely right that the General Assembly is being reckless, spending money that we don't have and dipping into our savings to spend even more money that we don't have. Going back to the article now, even so, Hogan says he is instructing state agencies to look for ways to fund public safety and health programs by finding savings without using money set aside by the General Assembly. The governor pledged agencies would find a way to pay for the $7 million in technology upgrades for the Baltimore City Police and $3.5 million for testing rape kits as requested by the legislature. Now, this is a big one that the governor, you know, Democrats are on Twitter and everyone, oh, how can the governor not find, not support funding uh testing rape kits. Well, the governor's all in favor of that. In fact, that's going to get funded. 
Now, keep in mind, this budget this year was about $46 billion. So we're talking about $240 million out of a $46 billion budget. Okay, that's that's a fraction of a percentage of the entire budget. Okay, so you keep that in mind there. So this isn't a whole lot of money to begin with. The $3.5 million for rape kits is actually a small percentage of even that amount. And the governor said he'll find ways to do that. In other words, because the governor's not opposed to doing that. What he's opposed to is the legislature, which already controls through mandated spending 82% of the state budget, coming in and slashing things the governor wanted to spend it on that were his priorities to fund more spending uh, that they want to uh, that they want to prioritize, which is not which is not upgrading the Baltimore City Police or testing for rape kits. Okay, that could have been worked out no problem. This is this is something entirely different that they're dipping into our savings to continue to spend money. We simply do not have. The governor's announcement drew backlash from Democrats who argued he is endangering vital programs. State Treasurer Nancy K. Kopp expressed disappointment with Hogan's decision. Kopp suggested Hogan simply didn't like the Democrats making changes to his budget even though the budget the Assembly proved is slightly smaller than Hogan's original proposal. Governors never like legislatures putting their imprimatur on the budget, as though this $240 million is their imprimatur. 82% of the budget is controlled by the legislature in mandated spending. Okay, the governor's not being um, uh, you know, petulant here. He's trying to hold the line on state spending. And when you take money from savings, to spend on whatever. And of course, someone's going to argue that what you're spending, you know, you know, nobody's against the idea of constructing schools where we need to do it. The governor made a proposal, but you got to have priorities. You got to spend within your means. You've got to be able to meet obligations in future years. This is what is the essence of fiscal responsibility. The fact is that the governor has been able to meet all of his obligations, cover all his mandated spending, fund priorities, accomplish a lot of positive things in the environment, in the transportation area, and yes, even in public education where he spent records amount every single year and do it without raising taxes and actually able to cut taxes. This is, this is not going to be the case if the Democrats keep spending money and cutting money out of the rainy day fund and the underfunded pension liability to the state to spend on other things that they want to spend it on. And the fact that the governor has stood his ground on this, exercised the full extent of his constitutional prerogatives, at, you know, he may go further. They, the Democrats have actually lost their minds about this. Um, here's, what, here's what Mike Miller had to say. I'm extremely disappointed the governor is not choosing to fund many worthy projects, including some that were originally in his proposed budget and some that were added based off testimony from Marylanders to the legislature, Miller said in a statement. Miller met with Hogan this week, asking him to release the money. Based on my conversation with the governor, I was under the impression that he intended to review the list closely and that deserving projects would proceed with funding, Miller said. While the governor has made his announcement today, he is certainly allowed to change his mind. And see, this is, this is a key as well. The governor can still release this money to be spent, okay, if he decides to do that. So some of this is a negotiation ploy. So again, and, and, you know, the, the rape test kits, all these are a distraction. The bulk of this money was coming from our savings to pay for things that could have been covered elsewhere or that are not enough of a priority for us to, deep, to, to go further into debt 
and to get further behind in our pension liabilities. And that's what the governor's holding the line on. Because at the end of the day, what the Democrats want to do is force the governor, in order to balance the budget, in order to maintain our fiscal integrity, they want to try to force this governor to raise taxes. Because that's what the Democrats would have done had uh, Governor Hogan not been reelected. If Ben Jealous were governor, they'd have spent all this money and more, and we'd be talking about higher taxes. They wouldn't be talking about you know, how long it would take to implement um, the Kerwin Commission recommendations, they'd be putting it in and talking about which taxes they were going to raise. They're still going to try to do that, by the way, but they've got the governor stopping them in this regard. So, um, <laughs> you know, part of this debate, and it, and it gets very technical, and I think most people, kind of, their eyes kind of glaze, o- glaze over about this, which is why Democrats can go out and demagogue this issue um, and, and talk about the governor's blocking money for rape test kits, which is which is absolutely not true, uh, is is demonstrably false. Let me share with you. I'll put it up here. Uh, the governor's response here on what he's talking about. We'll have a link at RidMaryland.com. You can go check it out as well. You know, the governor's putting forward money and funding priorities with regard to public safety and health. He's going to find money to to get these rape kit tests, these uh, rape kit tests done. Okay. A lot of the reason that backlog has existed is, frankly, because of bad management uh, by law enforcement. Uh, The governor's proposed a lot of these things. And meanwhile, what the the Sun didn't report there, what Luke Broadwater didn't talk about was the, the programs that were cut by the legislature. He doesn't talk about the efforts by the governor to deal with crime, to deal with school construction, to deal with these priorities in his own way that Democrats in the legislature have thwarted, have gotten in the way of, have intentionally undermined, and now are screaming because they don't get their way on on taking more money out of savings to fund their own you know wish list of spending. Um, Democrats in this state are inherently irresponsible when it comes to spending. They always have been. They always will be. They're as bad now, if not worse, than they ever have been. The problem that they have is that they no longer have the carte blanche to raise taxes the way that Martin O'Malley did um, because you have a Republican governor. And one of the big, biggest reasons you've had a two-term Republican governor like Larry Hogan is because of that very fact. And the governor understands this more than anything else. He has the most leverage and the strongest prerogatives under our state constitution when it comes to setting the budget and controlling spending. And that's what he's going to go to the mat on. And the Democrats in the legislature are not going to be able to to overrule him. And we're going to see another example of this in the next segment when we talk about transportation policy. But this is a this is a fantastic development. This is something the governor needs to do. He needs to he needs to, you know, uh, put his feet down. The Democrats are going to demagogue this. This you know, this announcement was made during the holiday season. It's a summertime. They, they lamented that as well. It's not going to have a big impact on the governor's popularity to the extent that that's even an issue because he's in his second term. This is where the governor's going to stand his ground and, and put his back up. And it's going to be critical when we get to next year's budget, the budget after that, when we get to the recommendations of this work group within the Kerwin Commission about how they want to raise taxes and fund all of this spending they want to put in, not just the, the formulas on how it's going to be distributed, but where this money is going to come from. And the governor has been very clear and very adamant that he's going to oppose any higher taxes and he's going to oppose unsustainable spending. 
and the rubber is very quickly meeting the road. This is just a skirmish when you look at the numbers. This is this is this is not a major battle, but this is the governor signaling very clearly that he is going to f- push back and he's going to fight hard. And the Democrats who have for years tried to use every attempt to uh, demagogue him and paint him as a racist who hates the city, you know, when he when he made these decisions, they failed miserably. The governor has defeated them electorally and politically. And this is where the rubber is going to meet the road. And the ultimate coup de grace here will come to will will see not only how he deals with taxes in the budget, especially when Kerwin attempts to be fully implemented, but when it comes to redistricting, the courts aren't going to bail out the Democrats on redistricting. Okay. Um, you know, at least the federal courts aren't. We do have some state restrictions of the state constitution dealing with state level redistricting. Um, the comptroller came out this week in favor of single member legislative districts, which is fantastic. That alone would radically change the makeup of the legislature and improve minority representation of every type. We've talked about that many times here. The coup de grace is that the days of the supermajority, hyperpartisan swing uh, to the left legislature that we have in Maryland with very few competitive general election seats, with, with the ability to raise taxes with impunity, those days are numbered. And the, the, what we're, the kind of debates we're seeing right now are not going to be able to happen if we have a legislature that's even a little more fairly uh, drawn when it comes to redistricting. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is why the re-election of Larry Hogan was so important. What that ultimately looks like, whether he's ultimately successful, whether the Democrats, because of their supermajorities, are able to thwart all of that, that remains to be seen. But that's that's where we're going. This is another milestone on that ultimate uh, ultimate uh, decision there. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the governor fencing off withholding spending on uh, Metro. So all that you're listening to Red Maryland Radio here on the Red Maryland Network. Did you know Red Maryland was on Patreon? By supporting Red Maryland on Patreon, not only do you support Red Maryland's efforts to grow the conservative movement here in Maryland, but you're going to get access to premium content, meet and greets, cool bumper stickers, and more. To support Red Maryland Patreon, go to patreon.com slash redmaryland. Even $1 a month will help us grow the conservative movement in our state. And every dollar goes back into growing Red Maryland. That's patreon.com slash Red Maryland. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Red Maryland. And thank you for your support. Come on, there are plenty of amazing women politicians. Name one. Uh, Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton? Awful. How is she awful? Hates freedom. You are invited to the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference, which comes at you on Saturday, January the 11th, 2020, from the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis. Join us as we hear guest speakers including Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz, Delegate Kathy Shalega, Doug Mayer from the 2018 Hogan for Governor campaign, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers from WBAL Radio, Maria Sophia, the chair of the Maryland Young Republicans, Ian Patrick Hines, Rory McShane, and a host of other fantastic speakers. This conference will help prepare the groundwork for your next election success and the success of conservatism across the state. Tickets are on sale now. The conference sold out in 2019, so you are not going to want to miss out on buying your tickets today. 
Go to RedMarylandConference.com to learn how to buy your ticket, your sponsorship, or your vendor table. That's RedMarylandConference.com. Go buy your tickets today for the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference. I've been thinking, and I feel like I could be a real asset to you guys. I want to help. What? Wait, wait. So first you wash your hands in politics. Now you want back in. That's called flip-flopping, Mac. That's Hang what on. Democrats Hang do. Hang on a Zwoele zomerhit. Klokvaste actua. De leukste cadeaus. Donna. The sound of summer. Radio Donna. We're back here on Red Maryland Radio here on the Red Maryland Network. I am your host, uh, Greg Klein, uh, flying solo this week um, and for the indefinite future. Again, let me play this message uh, from from my former co-host, Brian Griffiths, who's on a temporary leave of absence for Red Maryland to pursue his dream of uh, professional mini golf. Um, Here's what he wanted to let you guys know. You're a dork like me who likes mini golf. I encourage you to be part of the Greater Baltimore Mini Golf Tour. And he's taking his own advice, so we hope to have him back uh, very soon. I'm not sure when, so so you'll just have to stay tuned. Um, <laughs> we play Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne, the, the classic uh, rock song, because we're talking about a crazy train of sorts. Uh, the Washington Metro System, the uh, wonderful uh, underground metro subway system that we have in the washington metro area that uh decades ago was actually pretty decent uh, i wrote it many many times myself and has come under some criticism is some call it being in a death spiral uh you know trains catch on fire occasionally they've had huge backlogs recently their their chairman had to resign in in the midst of another scandal uh this all coming after localities the uh, virginia dc and maryland all agreed to dedicated funding for the system um and some questioning at that time very publicly we wrote about it here at red maryland whether that was a good idea when there wasn't the kind of accountability that we needed to have for the the millions and millions of dollars that was being spent well governor hogan i think kind of wanting to go along and and be supportive of what the region is doing to support the metro system, but now finally at his wit's end in pushing for some accountability. This is from the Washington Post now. Maryland withholds $55.6 million from metro, citing stonewalling on audits. This is from Robert McCartney at the Washington Post. Maryland's withholding $55.6 million from metro because the transit system has been stonewalling on audits and refusing to account for money received earlier from Annapolis, state officials said. Uh, the unexpected action signaled that the administration, the unexpected action, yeah, it was unexpected that we'd actually hold them to account. So this is kudos to the governor for doing this. Signaled that the administration of uh, Governor Hogan plans to take a more aggressive posture towards Metro on its financial performance and governance. 
By blocking capital funds, which Metro uses to buy new rail cars, buses, and other equipment, the move also was a setback for last year's historic agreement in Maryland, in which Maryland, Virginia, and the District of Columbia agreed to provide $500 million a year in dedicated funding for the system. This is what I talked about before. The governor wanted to go along with that, with that regional approach to dedicated funding, but he's just been frustrated. Um, and we'll get there's some response to this from some of the other localities as well. And, and, I'll, and I'll talk about that when we get through the article here. Uh, it revived concerns about Metro's financial management, which is generally considered to have improved in recent years as the agency received a series of clean audits. Uh, Maryland said that it would not provide the capital funds, which were scheduled to be delivered Monday, in a strongly worded letter from Maryland Transportation Secretary Pete Rann. The operating subsidy that Maryland provides will not be affected. The letter arrived days before Ron is scheduled to be sworn in as a member of the Metro board, where he is expected to play a high-profile role as the first cabinet-level secretary in memory to represent either Maryland or Virginia. Metro declined to make available a representative to respond in detail to Maryland's charges. I mean, if they responded to the charges they'd be responding to the audit request and everything else, and the governor wouldn't be withholding this money. I mean, this this is essentially an extension of the same stonewalling that the governor's complaining about. We will meet with Maryland officials as soon as possible to fully understand and address the issues raised in their letter, a spokesman Ian Janetta said. Uh, Rand said that the state has increased its annual subsidy to Metro from $467 million in 2017 to a proposed $741 million in 2020, but that Metro has, quote, failed to demonstrate how past allocations were spent and how additional funds will be spent in the future. We're spending $750 million almost next year on Metro, and we don't know how the money's being spent? I mean, that seems to be at a minimum, and, and the Democrats are losing their minds that the governor's withholding this very small amount back uh, of, of capital expenditure. You just had the chairman there resign. You just have a lot of questions that, that aren't being answered. Uh, we're just supposed to throw money into this, this, this money pit that has been WMATA, the metro system, for, for a long, long time? I mean, again, we get back to the, the, the theme of the show is fiscal responsibility. Um, the Democrats aren't really that interested in that. They want more money going to mass transit. The fact that it's being spent poorly, the fact that the chairman of Metro is resigning in, in the midst of a scandal, the fact that we can't get straight answers as to how the money we've given them already has been spent doesn't seem to bother them, uh, or at least doesn't bother them enough to say, well, maybe we shouldn't be putting more money into it. I mean, it's insane. If you don't demand accountability, if you don't withhold the money, if you don't have um, uh, transparency and accountability – just more and more money is going to be wasted and nothing's going to get fixed. This is what critics of Metro have been saying for years and years and years. And the governor understands this. You know, he wants to be a partner in improving this system because it's really important to the region. And Maryland has a huge role and a hu has a huge stake in the Metro system. A lot of people in Maryland use it. And if it works, it's great. If it doesn't, it's it's an enormous waste of our resources. And so the governor and the transportation secretary are absolutely right for demanding this stuff. Um, here's some more from the article. The letter from the governor went on to state that continued stonewalling by Metro and compliance audits prevents the state from seeing what is occurring with the funds Maryland taxpayers provide. It accused Metro of, quote, an ongoing pattern of fiscal obfuscation and a lack of cooperation. 
Hogan, who won office in 2014 while campaigning in favor of shifting state spending from transit to roads, has had an up-and-down relationship with Metro. Hogan was the most outspoken critic of the former Metro board chairman, Jack Evans, who just left the board. And it sounds like Hogan was right. The guy leaves in the middle of an ethics scandal. Maybe Governor Hogan was on to something and had a sense of what he was talking about when he was the biggest critic of the guy. I mean, and you know, this the story is trying to make, you know, the, what the Democrats want to say is that the governor hates, you know, he's he hates urban people. You know, you can read whatever undertones they want in that. Okay, he's not in favor of mass transit, which is the only thing Democrats want. Democrats don't want to spend any money on on roads, it seems. The governor wants to come back in and bring some balance to a a um, transportation policy that was wildly swung towards mass transit almost exclusively under the Martin O'Malley years. And he's and he's spending not only enormous amounts of money trying to fix roads um, and and returning, you know, user funds to localities and things like that that he promised to do, which should have been done, which were taken by Democrats. It's one of the things that's so funny when I listen to our friends at the Conduit Street podcast is they kind of acknowledge that, you know, the previous administration took this money away from localities and it was really unfair, yet they they just can't quite get to the point where they're critical of Martin O'Malley and Democrats. They're the ones who did it. They did it to fund, again, they did it to fund general fund spending, even though they raised taxes 41 times. See, this is a problem with state Maryland Democrats. They go to Annapolis and they spend money. They have no problem sticking it to localities when it comes to this. The governor has been trying to bring back some balance. He still, even with all of that, he still managed to put uh, set aside huge amounts of dedicated funding for the metro system, for the purple line in the D.C. area. Um, but Democrats don't want to give him any credit at all for improving mass transit or all the tens of millions of dollars he spent, hundreds of millions of dollars he's spending on mass transit. That's not enough. All you'll hear from them is that he didn't approve uh, the, the billion-dollar boondoggle of the red line in Baltimore City, and therefore he hates you know people who live in the city and you know, whatever subtext you want to use there. Um, it's insane. The governor's trying to solve a really serious problem. Anybody who lives in the Maryland suburbs of D.C., knows that trying to commute into the city of D.C. or to its environs uh, is harder now than it was 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, traffic's worse. The metro's less reliable. Mass transit isn't, isn't picking up the slack. The, the backlog is getting worse. We have some of the worst traffic in the country. Okay, The governor is trying to solve this. He's trying to solve it every way possible by improving mass transit by improving surface roads and expanding surface capacity the democrats seem to be not willing to work with him at all on this they seem to be pushing back on everything every maryland democrat every marylander every maryland taxpayer every member of the legislature should be backing the governor's play when it comes to demanding transparency and accountability from metro for the hundreds of millions of dollars we send to them every single year. But that's not the case. And then we go back to the article now. Uh, the current dispute with the legislative audit of the Maryland Department of Transportation 
uh, began in February 2016. Although the Democratic controlled General Assembly in Annapolis has been at odds with Hogan over whether to spend money on transit or roads, the legislature also has pressed for more financial transparency from Metro. But yet you don't see them talking about how this is a good idea. When the governor announced this, what you heard from legislative leaders was this was unsurprised. The governor didn't consult with us. He shouldn't be doing this. So when the rubber meets the road and actually backing up the demands for transportation for transparency and accountability, Democrats in Annapolis are nowhere to be found. This is something that should have been done jointly. They, you know, Democrats and you know, Democrats in the legislature should have been heralding this. You know, that the governor's taking a firm hand. But that's not happening at all. And Again, it's because Democrats want to spend the money first. Oh, yeah, we'd like to say we're in favor of transparency, but not if it means we don't spend the money. And we always want to spend more, 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 more. This is a this is a theme you hear on our show every single week because this is the news. Democrats want to spend more money, more, more, more. It's always more. It's never less. It's always more. And transportation and transparency and accountability you see, are just bywords. They're just they just want to they just want to uh, you know uh, quell the concerns raised by those uh, us hoi polloi who have to pay for all this spending uh, that it's being spent wisely, despite all of the evidence from WMATA, from the Baltimore City School System, from audits of this and that and the other agency after agency and locality and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in education and transportation and public health and everything else that's being poured into a hole that all of us working Marylanders have to go out and create that wealth every day that's being taken at an ever-increasing degree to be wasted. And when you have someone like the governor who appreciates the fact that every tax dollar was a tax dollar that somebody went out and created. Wealth that they created, either through the spread of their brow or putting their capital at risk or doing something. Someone created that, that the governor's t- the government's taking from them and spending it on these things. And that there's a responsibility to be accountable for that. Now, is the governor the most conservative guy in the world and he wants to slash spending even more than what he's doing? No, but... He understands fundamentally something that Maryland, and we've talked about this, and I've written a piece about this years ago on this very point. Democrats care about making sure government gets theirs first. The key is the government gets theirs, that they're able to fund what government wants to do. Lost in that, to any real degree, they'll pay it lip service occasionally, is the idea that this money that's being spent by the government is money that's being taken by citizens who have created wealth who have gone out and done something worked uh traded their traded their time and and skills for pay have put their capital at risk in building a business whatever it is they've done something to create that wealth that the government is scraping away from them taking away from them and pouring it into these other things the government does not create wealth all of these investments even in infrastructure and everything else doesn't create wealth the governor understands that fundamentally, and he under, and he he does not want to see a single penny wasted, and so he he is he is controlling spending so that it, we're not taking more and more away from people by raising taxes, and making priorities so that we're not you know um, people don't have to work harder and come home with less, and he's trying to solve people's problems like 
you know, reducing the amount of time they have to be on the road or traveling back and forth to work in order to pay all of those taxes that Maryland uh, legislators want them to pay. And where are Maryland Democrats on this? When he actually holds back spending money, when he actually exercises his constitutional prerogatives as governor to hold back on spending money until there's accountability, holding back on money that we don't have because everybody knows that there's a structural deficit in place, that, we, that we're spending, we're mandating spending that we can't afford. Where are Democrats? They're criticizing the governor. They're accusing the governor of being, you know, racist, bigoted, homophobic, uh, you know, anti-city, anti-this, anti-whatever. You know, he doesn't care about rape victims. He doesn't care about kids in school. He doesn't care about, you know, uh, black people who take the metro. He doesn't care, you know, whatever it is. They're demagoguing this rather than facing the fact that what they really want to do, what they're really going to have to do is raise taxes. And the governor is thwarting them by withholding spending, by withholding raids on our rainy day fund, on our pension uh, fund set aside to pay our state retirees pensions, which isn't enough to cover it as is, and spending tens of millions of dollars more to a metro system that we don't directly control, we have some indirect input into, but where we can't even get a straight answer as to where the tens of millions we've already spent has gone. And that, in a nutshell, is why I'm thankful every day that Governor Hogan is our governor and not someone like Ben Jealous, who wouldn't give a moment's thought to this, who would just be shoveling more and more money to all of these things and raising taxes to take it from us. End of sermon. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about weed because... Now that we have this unquenchable desire for more and more money to, to feed government's spending, now we've got to get into the drug business. And rather than just taking over the drug rackets and you know creating a state-run monopoly on drugs, which has been the plan, now some Maryland Democrats want to just run it top to bottom. Just you know, just have Maryland directly involved in the drug business um, because we have to. Because we need the money. So any any idea that, you know, having a society uh, with increased drug use, now, now we're going to literally be invested as a state government in more and more people using drugs. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Red Maryland Radio here on the Red Maryland Network. Did you know Red Maryland was on Patreon? By supporting Red Maryland on Patreon... Not only do you support Red Maryland's efforts to grow the conservative movement here in Maryland, but you're going to get access to premium content, meet and greets, cool bumper stickers, and more. To support Red Maryland Patreon, go to patreon.com slash redmaryland. Even $1 a month will help us grow the conservative movement in our state. And every dollar goes back into growing Red Maryland. That's patreon.com slash red maryland p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash red maryland and thank you for your support you have to be a real low-life piece of shit to get involved in politics wherever you are whatever you do have a nice day 
like to you know not only do i enjoy doing these segments just so i can play afro man but i like to let it run a little bit we're having fun it's a holiday weekend why so serious greg why get so worked up so you know you're being taxed more and more and the money's going into black holes that no one really can tell you what's going on and there's graft and corruption everywhere people being arrested indicted resigning in disgrace and, uh, you know, leading the, the, the majority party's leadership doesn't seem to be that terribly phased about it uh, at all. In fact, they're critical of those who maybe want to pull back on the spending until all of this is cleaned up. Why get so worked up about it? I don't know. I don't know. It bothers me, I guess. Probably bothers a lot of you. So, uh, hey, we still got to fund all this stuff, right? So the Democrats want to be smart enough to not raise taxes. Well, maybe we'll expand gambling, um, you know, sports betting. The Supreme Court said we could do that. Maybe we'll do that. Um, and we've been debating a long time about legalizing recreational marijuana. Other states have done it. There's a there's a lot of money in them marijuanas. And, and uh, you know, rather than make it illegal and... and you know, protect people and particularly young people and try to discourage its use. Let's just legalize it and encourage it. Heck. And, and, you know, take our cut off the top. We've talked about that policy many, many times. Well, that's not enough for some Maryland Democrats because that's not going to, you know, generate enough money to do this. Let's just go into the business of marijuana. Let's just say as a state, it doesn't stay in the state constitution that the state should, you know, run its own uh, drug business to get people high. But maybe that's what we should do. And our friend Mark Unkefer, uh, who is a wonderful contributor to Red Maryland, we, we love Mark's stuff when he when he writes about this stuff, who is very active and has been for many, many years in politics in Montgomery County has a piece at redmaryland.com. I encourage you to check it out. Let me share a little bit of it with you. It's entitled, Elric Wants to Put Maryland in the Pot Business. And let me read a little bit from Mark's piece here. Montgomery County Executive Mark Elrich told Maryland Matters, the Baltimore Sun Jr. dark money-funded alliterative Maryland Matters, in an interview last week that Maryland shouldn't just legalize pot, quote, they should let Maryland farmers grow and the state should process and sell and take every dime of revenues. <laughs> Again, you know, why not? Why why just take our cut off the top, you know, which is what we were doing, this very shady uh, legalization thing that we've talked about many times. You know, cut out the middleman. We'll just do it all ourselves. We'll just not only take over the drug rackets, we'll just we'll just run the business as a monopoly. You know. According to Elrich, the Colorado model where the state legalizes the drug and collects sales tax from retail sales, misses an opportunity for much greater revenue, demonstrating why he's known as Comrade Elrich. That's uh, Mark Uncafer's put on it, take on it. The county executive said, quote, what's the justification for giving the profits to a bunch of private guys who are rich so they'll get richer, and then you'll be sitting there with the crumbs in your hand when you could have all of it? 
Elrich promotes the idea to fund the Kerwin Commission educational spending recommendations. Says Elrich, quote, I've talked with Mike Miller, and when he goes uh, through all the things you're going to have with Kerwin, you're not going to get to the number they need, even putting legalized pot in there, because all you're going to do is get the sales tax. Now, he's right about that. Now, he's right about that. Legalizing weed is not going to be enough to fund Kerwin. We've said that for years. That's why the Democrats have this working group to find other ways to, you know, come up with funding formulas for it, i.e. raise taxes. Now, a lot of that's going to be shunted down to the counties, which I hope our friends on. I'm I'm not going to point them out again. I hope that folks who are concerned about the counties being stuck with more unfunded mandates would push back on that idea pretty hard and push back on the one political party who's pushing that idea, which is not the Republican Party. Okay, we can say that they can't and probably won't. But if they you know, it's like the gerrymander people. If 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 the tame, the gerrymander folks in Maryland wanted to get rid of the gerrymander, they'd be supporting Republicans. Just saying. Um, anyway, but I, but I, I've, I, I digress a little too much, re- getting a little too real here, a little more from Mark, uh, Uncafer's piece. I encourage you to go read it at Maryland.com and, and all of Mark's stuff. He's so great. And Mark, you do great work. We, we love having you as a contributor here. Montgomery's County's experience in liquor business provides little comfort about the state weed business model. Few, if any, current Montgomery County government activities are harder to justify than the Department of Liquor Control's monopoly. Yet Maryland state law prohibits the county's liquor sellers, retail stores, and restaurants from selling any alcohol not purchased exclusively from the county's monopoly. The DLC is one of the uh, county government's most flagrant examples of its hostile business climate. The DLC has a well-documented track record of corruption. A local news team's 4i team previously uncovered that two-thirds of businesses were being shorted in their deliveries. From this merchandise, county employees were then selling the skimmed inventory on the black market. One store owner explained how county deliverymen tried to sell beer under the table, asking for cash for extra cases on their truck. Outside audits, highly critical of the DLC inventory control process, are yet another measure of the DLC's continuing mismanagement. So if we did what Elrich wanted, we'd still have a black market for weed. It would just be like what... (laughs) So they've done this model that they want to do with weed, with liquor, in Montgomery County, and it's a mess. It's a huge mess. Uh, most folks want to get rid here's he talks about the liquor control here as well. Maryland Comptroller Peter Francho, the state's top enforcer of alcohol laws and a DLC critic, has previously commissioned an opinion poll demonstrating massive public opposition to the liquor monopoly. Among those answering the question, do you favor or oppose a proposal to get rid of the laws making Montgomery County an alcohol controlled county? Sixty nine percent supported eliminating it with slightly higher levels for repeal. Seventy four percent among those who describe themselves as definite voters. So in left-wing Montgomery County, 74% of the people want to get rid of the very monopoly on liquor that the county executive wants to create for weed statewide. So you got a model that has failed, that has been demonstrably failed when it comes to intoxicating substances, excuse me. So what on what rationale would we expand it? And you see the you see the answer is more money more money we'll get more money out of it this is what's driving it it's terrible policy 
It's terrible health policy. If you look at what's happening in Colorado and places where it's illegal, you see time and time again increased use among minors. You see massive increases in uh, marijuana-related traffic accidents and other things because when it's legal, more people will use it. I mean, that's a fact. I know some people try to argue that everybody who's ever going to use marijuana is already using it, but it's illegal. That's crap. Okay? It's just not true. Um, and, and expanding use of marijuana is harmful, not only physically, particularly to young people in developing minds, but it's a bad idea for society. It's a bad public policy. Okay. Um, now my libertarian friends will say, well, people shouldn't be saved from themselves. Fine. But do you really think that legalizing marijuana is worth it? If all you're ending up doing is not only not creating the, the crony capitalist, boondoggle that that's what's actually being proposed in Annapolis that we've talked about many times. But how about creating a government-run monopoly on intoxicating drugs? Is that what libertarians really... Is that modern libertarianism? Is is being able to get weed legally so much more important than, than, <laughs> than having a huge... Um, huge government supported by directly controlling the trade of it? Seems to me, even if you're okay with the idea of legalizing marijuana, these kind of proposals should give you great pause if you have any sort of conservative or libertarian leanings. Because what you're going to end up with in the name of being able to buy weed legally is much, much bigger government, much, much more corrupt government, much, much more coercive government, greater government spending, which is not sustainable. So you're still going to have tax increases. And we've got public policy that's justifying education by expanding drug use. What's going to happen when the state runs the drug business? And that's what we're talking about here. And it's the same with alcohol. I mean, are we going to become invested in people using this stuff more? Is that the plan? Is the idea that we're going to improve education in the state by more and more people getting high? Because that's the policy that we're setting up. Those are the incentives that we're creating. Does, is that good public policy? It doesn't matter if it's good public policy is my point. They want to spend, spend, spend. And so will warp the justification to fill the needs. Do we really even need to spend this much money on education to improve it? Is more money always create better results? Not the question. The incentives for state Democrats who run the state, who control it well beyond their actual Democratic support because of redistricting and gerrymandering, all they care about is their constituents who fund them, particularly the teachers unions and the educational bureaucracies that they're able to fund with billions of dollars of your money. They just want to keep growing the pie. They want to keep feeding the machine and actually raising people's taxes. They actually eventually push back on that stuff. They, the Democrats in Maryland at least have seen it. Whether they've learned their lesson or not remains to be seen. So anything we can do otherwise, gambling, um, you know, sin taxes, taxing people from out of state, 
to the point where, you know, a hotel room costs twice as much as, as, as is listed because of all the taxes that go on. Those kinds of things. But you can only go so far with that stuff. You know, we can expand gambling as much as possible, but every other state around us does the same, so it becomes a diminishing return. The same thing's going to happen with marijuana. It's bad public policy. What's good public policy is fiscal restraint, is prioritizing a budget to what is constitutionally mandated, doing it efficiently, doing it with uh, transparency and accountability, uh, letting localities do more and more and have less unfunded mandates going on to local governments. That's good public policy. That is essentially the Hogan Republican approach in Maryland and has been for decades. It is not the predominant view of Maryland Democrats. In the Maryland, the, the Maya Rocky Moore Cummings Maryland Democratic Party is not interested in that. They're not interested in promoting business uh, in order to create jobs and, and positive economic environments that uh, reduce the need for government expenditure and expand the tax base. They're not interested in that because they're not in favor of policies that do that. They're not even in favor of limiting anti-business policies that undermine that. So anyway, this is another. So let's go all the way. Let's just let's just, you know, um, <laughs> let's just socialize weed. Let's just put government in the weed business. Oh, boy, boy, this is what we're left with. All right, let's let's wind up the show. Let me give you a little palate cleanser. We'll wind up the show here. Um, bear with me one second. Come on. There are plenty of amazing women politicians. Name one. Uh, Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton. Awful. How is she awful? Hates freedom. Hates freedom. Hates freedom. That's right. Folks, thanks for listening. I appreciate you uh, checking checking out Red Maryland Radio here. Uh, if you like what you hear, please do uh, contact us. Let us know what you think. You can uh, send us an email, redmaryland at gmail.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Red Maryland. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Red Maryland. You can also call our talkback line, 410-205-4875. 410-205-4875. We're happy to hear your comments. I'd love to hear if you think that the government, that the governor's wrong in withholding this money, that he should be spending more money, that uh, you know the government taking over the weed business is actually a great idea. I wish we'd do it faster. Whatever, we'd love to. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to think. Um, also, by the way, in addition to your feedback, please come to RedMaryland.com and vote in our July 2019 poll. It is out there. It'll be open for. Uh, another couple of weeks. We'd love to get your feedback. A lot of great questions there uh, about about state government and about what's going on as far as candidates go and redistricting and all kinds of things. We'd love to get your feedback about. Go to redmaryland.com and please vote in our uh, July 2019 poll. Uh, again, folks, we'd love to support you. Our our Patreon, patreon.com slash redmaryland. This is, this is now our primary uh, support. Thank you to all of the patrons who supported us in july we certainly appreciate that if you go check out the page we're we're putting up more content as well um some of it is patron exclusive so you'll have to become a patron to see it and hear it but some other stuff as well we put up our our sizzle reel if you if this is the first time you're ever listening to red maryland if you only started listening to us in the last couple of years or so um or if you want to share with somebody kind of a feel for what we do here at red maryland we put together this this sizzle reel it's about five minutes from a 
few segments that Brian and I have done over the years, uh, ranging in topics, and some are a little more humorous than others. We encourage you to check that out. That's there. All kinds of stuff. We'll be putting up some other great stuff from our archives as well um, that anybody can check out if you go to patreon.com slash redmaryland. But we'll have some patron-exclusive stuff, including our upcoming podcast, The History of Red Maryland. So go check that out. Support us. Even a dollar a month makes a big difference for us. All of the money goes to supporting Red Maryland, expanding the word, uh, getting it out there. And to that end, we'd love for you to share everything we do here at Red Maryland. Subscribe to all of our programming on the Red Maryland Network. Uh, you can do that by going to uh, the, the iTunes store, wherever you get your, your podcatcher, whether it's the podcast app on iTunes, uh, we're on Stitcher, Spreaker, the Google Play Store, anywhere you uh, tune in radio app, anywhere you get podcasts, just search Red Maryland Network and you'll find all of our programming right there. It's absolutely free. We'd love for you to give us a, a five-star uh, f- five star review. Uh, give us some feedback there as well. That helps us spread the word. If you're listening, share it with your friends on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, wherever we get the word out uh, had a very nice uh, I was out to dinner this week and someone came up to me from the county and said hey are you with Red Maryland I, I, I love your show watch it all the time that was very nice um, to, it was very nice to hear we love that so thank you to all of you who listen we know that there it's a growing audience and we really appreciate it social media is a big part of that so please do uh, share that as well uh, don't forget also and you heard the promos for it during the show our leadership conference coming up in uh, 2020. Uh, some more of you have been buying tickets. Thank you very much. Uh, we'd love to get this thing sold out. I know January 11th is a long way off, but we will sell it out. We've got more tickets than we did last year, but not that many more. So um, get your tickets now if you haven't already. We've got a great lineup of speakers. We've got some in the works. I can't I can't reveal until we got everything nailed down, but maybe some of the people who I mentioned in today's articles will be at this conference. Um, I'm not saying definitely, but some of them might be, and they might talk on some of those really interesting issues that we just talked about. So get your tickets now and uh, it helps us uh, get some more great speakers. But if you look at who we've already got lined up, our commerce secretary, Kelly Schultz, uh, Kathy Jalega, and we'll have our, our um, Republican legislative leadership there as well for a panel. Uh, Andrew Langer, Jerry Rogers from WBAL will be there. Uh, Mary Sophia, the chairman of the Maryland Young Republicans, Rory Shane and Ian Patrick Hines, who are fantastic, fantastic speakers. They were two of the biggest hits last year talking about how Republicans and conservatives can win in Maryland. These guys know because they've done it and they'll help us uh, figure out how to move forward. This is this. Uh, by the way, this conference, we talk about policy. We talk about the challenges we face. But we also are about how we can win and move forward. This is a positive thing. You're going to walk out of this conference. If you came to last year's conference, you know what I'm talking about. You're going to come out of this conference uh, with more knowledge. You're going to be educated. You're going to be ready to, to hit the ground running and uh, move forward, uh, move the conservative movement forward. And, of course, 2020 is a big year for us doing that nationally. We're going to have some key races here in Maryland as well. We'll be talking about those. So you definitely want to get your tickets to uh, just go to redmarylandconference.com and you can find all of that out. Okay, folks, thanks again for listening. Um, you can um, check us out next week. Uh, Brian will be back. I don't know when the when the mini golf tour ends, uh, but um, if not, it'll just be you and I, and that's fine too. Um, I hope so. I'd love to hear your feedback if you enjoyed you know, me while Brian's enjoying his mini golf. 
He was very, very proud of his victory, if you haven't seen our Facebook page. Very, very proud. And we at Red Maryland couldn't be more proud of him. So with that, <laughs> let me bid you a fond to do. I'm Greg Klein saying, folks, thanks for listening. Hang in there. We will get there. And uh, I'll leave you with some, some great music for the summer, brand new from uh, Tesla. It's called Taste Like a uh, Great Song. If you think it sounds a little bit like Def Leppard, you're not you're not off base because it was actually produced by Def Leppard guitarist Phil Collins. So there's there's a little trivia that you got there, folks. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your Independence Day weekend. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback here at Red Maryland. Hang in there. We will get there. Mm-hmm.